worship as we gather here in God's house on this beautiful fall morning to celebrate the wonder and the goodness of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. Very special welcome to those of you who may be visiting with us. We're delighted you're here and we hope you feel very warmly welcomed and that you know there's a place for you here all the time. We are God's people. We want to celebrate belonging to God in Jesus Christ and our great goal is to be equipped so that the whole world would know the great promise of his love and grace. We continue today in our reflection upon what does it mean to make our hearts Christ's home. And if you've not picked up one of the booklets for your family, I believe there's still some more at the Welcome Center. If they're not, let me know. We'll get you a copy. And today we continue in that as we go to the living room. And as we go to the living room, we realize that Jesus has a special place he wants to surround us with. And in John's Gospel, John tells us, so again, Jesus said to them, to those that were following him, to his disciples, his learners, very truly, I tell you. Anytime Jesus said very truly or verily, verily, it was a, in the Greek we know it means, listen up. This is really important. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. May we rejoice in that, in that promise, in that assurance, as we give God our lives today with our voices of praise. Let those who are able stand, but come now together, let us all worship the living God and may we invite him to take all that we are. My friends, I want to, for you to hear powerful words from the Apostle Paul about the greatest gift the universe and all of human history has ever known. Those whom God predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he justified made us just as if I'd never sinned. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. And then he asks a rhetorical question that is an affirmation of the greatest promise. What are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who will be against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, Will he not, with him, give us everything else? The answer is yes. God has given us everything. He has healed us. He's restored us. He's poured the life-saving blood of his own son out for us. Rejoice in this and tell the world, in Jesus Christ, we have new life. Because in him, we are redeemed, restored, and forgiven. Amen. We're in My Heart Christ's home, and uh, I hope that you've uh, picked up a copy of that. I hope you also pick up a copy of Table Talk on the uh, Reformation out at the Narthex. But this morning are two key scriptures that lead us into the living room, so to speak, are Psalm 23 and John 14, 1 through 7. And uh, if you'd like, if you've got a pew Bible in front of you so that we'll, well, no, I'll just read it for us today. I was going to say We've all, we've all memorized it in King James, so. 
And uh, quite often, when I read it from one version, I still say it from King James. So I'll let me read God's word for us today. Listen as God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful words. A great assurance. But the greatest assurance is that God came in person to guarantee this. And on the night as he prepared to give up his life for us, that that great atoning sacrifice once and for all would take place. Jesus spoke these words in John 14, 1-7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Verifying his full divinity. Believe also in me. Believe in God. In my Father's house, Jesus said, there are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, many living rooms, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also? And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas, the honest one, said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. I think he went like this, pointing to himself. And you have seen him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God take this word, lead us into the living room of living with him, that we may know and reflect the glory of his grace. Let's pray. Father, let your good news come now and find us not only in word, but in power, in your Holy Spirit, and with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And so we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As I pondered this, as I've read God's Word, as I've thought about this my, really my whole life, I'm realizing as I look around at our devastated world that nothing is plaguing our culture, our world, our society, this globe more than what the, these scriptures are speaking to. Nothing is hurting us more. 
You see, when we don't spend time in God's Word, when we do not spend time in God's Word, not only do we not know who the shepherd is and the place where the shepherd wants to lead us and keep us and restore us, but we are vulnerable, as our call to worship says in John 10, we are vulnerable to, to thieves and robbers and charlatans and those who would be instruments of the devil. And we won't know how to deal with the realities of this world because we will be looking for the answers on our own and on our own power in rebellion from the shepherd. We may not think of it as rebellion, but in rebellion from the shepherd, perhaps without realizing it. And you know why? Because we don't know the truth. And when we don't know the truth, we'll go looking for it in a million other places, none of which will satisfy and all of which will lead us to death because it will lead us away from only one who can give us life. Now, the, the truth is, and this is tough, the truth is we are sheep. Everybody go, bah. <laughs> if you know anything about uh, livestock, that's not a pleasing thing. Sheep are not real bright. But the reality is neither are we. You know why? Because sin has corrupted our spirits. But we have good news. We may not like this, and we may not be willing to accept this to our own disadvantage. But we are sheep. And as long as we can accept this, and as long as we are living into this reality, as ones who belong to the shepherd, we will know peace, and we will know power, and we will be suddenly very bright sheep because we're living with the shepherd because he's come to direct us into his presence because he's the only one who can protect us. He's the only one who can make us whole. We will not be able to do this. He, Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, makes us to lie down in green pastures. He gives us exactly what we need. He leads us beside still waters. You know why still waters are so important for a sheep? They can't swim. They fall over in moving water. Their wool gets uh, saturated and they drown. We need still waters. That's, he's the one that knows where the still waters are, where the crossing place is safe. He will do that. He is our comfort in the valley of the shadow of death. When things are going desperately wrong and life is ebbing away, our life or the life of someone we dearly love, he is the one who leads us through that valley of the shadow. It is his rod and staff that protect us and comfort us. We can't do this. We are his sheep. We need to abide with the shepherd, and we will never outgrow this. It doesn't matter how old we get or how smart we think we are. We need to live with the shepherd every day in the enclosure that the shepherd has for us. That is our living room. David knew this. He wrote this psalm. He knew the disaster that comes when we think we don't need this every day. And he looked back on life and he, he I'm sure, said to himself, I needed to live by this. I needed this to be my only compass, my only direction. The Lord is my shepherd. I am his sheep. I am to do exactly 
what he tells me to do. I am to be exactly where he tells me to be. And the only way we can know that is when we are not being saturated by the moving waters of the world, but by the still waters of God's word. Every single day, every moment, all the time. We are in a time when God is calling us to see just how much our whole world needs to come back and let the shepherd be the one who cares for us as only he can. I want you to see a little clip this morning. Uh, Don't start it just yet. Bob Spiker showed this to me. Some of you may have seen it, but I appreciate, Bob, you're finding this for us. It's about knowing the shepherd. And it's about coming out of the forest and being in a difficult place, facing a real difficult challenge, even the fires that could devastate us by being totally at the direction of the shepherd. Listen. Listen very carefully. that song what a friend we have in Jesus those are American Samoan firefighters coming out of what we've just been facing and they came out singing that hymn but in the when the American missionaries went to Samoa those words got translated into 
What a great God we belong to. What a God who is so powerful. Hallelujah, you heard over and over again. Praise the Lord that we belong to a God who is greater than that fire. Anything that could face us. They know the shepherd. And that's what they were praising God for. That together, arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, Mackinac to Mackinac, McLeod to McLeod tool, those are firefighting tools, they were able to face whatever was coming on. And so will we. They walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They come out of that because they know the one who is leading them through it. And they're comforted by the one who alone is worthy of our praise. Listen to the living room. Just a few words from this story about making our presence. We moved next to the living room. This was a quiet and comfortable room with a warm atmosphere. I liked it. It had a fireplace, a sofa, overstuffed chairs, a bookcase, and an intimate atmosphere. Jesus also seemed pleased with it. He said, indeed, this is a delightful room. Let's come here often. It's secluded and quiet, and we can have good talks and fellowship together. Well, naturally, being a Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than spend a few minutes alone with Jesus in close companionship. He promised, I'll be here every morning. Meet me here, and we will start the day together. So morning after morning, I would go downstairs to the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase and open it, and together we would read from it. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truth on its pages and make my heart sing as he shared all he had done for me and would be to me. Those times together were wonderful. Through the Bible and his Holy Spirit, he would talk to me. In prayer, I would respond. So our friendship deepened in these quiet times of personal conversation. However, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little, our time began to be shortened. I encourage you to read the rest. You see, Jesus wants us every day to know him and to know his word so that we may know how to be led through and lead the others through the valley of the shadow of death. Mike Kluke, are you around here? Wave your arm for me. There you are. Those, you, you know some of those American Samoa firefighters, and you've been on that line. Donald, you've been on fire lines. You don't go out there without being trained, right? You better have some good training. You better know how the fire works, right? You better know how to get out of its way, and you better know how to face it, right? That's what being in God's word is about. We need to know how to face the fires of this life. And Jesus wants to be the one who is training us, who's at the head of that line into green pastures, into that hope of eternal life, the eternal life that only he can give. You see, it is he, if he is the only one, I want you to think about this. If Jesus, the God of the universe, is the only one who can give eternal life, he would not have come. If Jesus was not the only one who can give eternal life, he would have not come. You know what he would have done? He just would have sent some information, a flyer out, kind of an email, kind of said, hey, here's some options you can exercise. They'll all work. But he didn't do this. 
And he modeled for us the only way to know the hope that he alone is. Jesus, in the same way that we're called to meditate upon God's word, just like we can, so that when the hard times come, when the fires, when the shootings, when the broken heart, when the illness, when death comes, we would know and will know the hope that is bigger than all of the loss that could try to overwhelm us and take us out. We get to walk through the forest, forest of life like these guys that we just saw, singing at the top of our lungs in harmony, joining together, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the giver of life. But we can only do this when we know this truth by heart. And I don't just mean rotely memorized. I mean know it by heart so that it is the whole of who we are. We've got to be like these hotshots who did not have song sheets. Did you notice that? They were not looking at their smartphones. They knew that song by heart because they had just lived by it in fighting that fire. Like those who this morning could say the 23rd Psalm by heart without looking down in the Bible. Why? Because you've walked through that valley of the shadow of death. Because Jesus Christ has been the shepherd who has left you without want. Jesus says, I want to meet you in the living room. In the same way he said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, what? There you may be also. See, the point is that God never intended for us to spend a day without intimate contact with himself. But sin and evil have blinded our world to this. Alternatives are just that, dead ends. They've been substituted for the hope that only Jesus Christ can give. Last week we talked about the dining room. But this living room of being with Jesus in God's word every day is the real place of nourishment. Our world is starving for this. Our world doesn't know where the living room is or that there is a living room for them. There is no fireplace. And there is no openness to God's word. Too often this is true in the church and in our lives. We put ourselves out in the cold when we are not daily simply reading God's word. And I'll be real honest with you. My, my parents showed me this need for God's word. My dad was not an educated man. His high school experience was that of learning to be an auto mechanic welder, machinist. He was good at that. But my dad read God's word every single day. He modeled for my sister and me the need to be in God's word, to be saturated by it. Interestingly, my dad did this after dinner in the living room by the fireplace every day because his work at the factory that he worked in for 38 years started at 5 a.m. There wasn't time in the morning. Now, I know he was, my dad wasn't realizing it, but my sister and I could not miss this. Our kids, our grandkids, our friends, the world around us, and the people in our lives need to be shown that we are in God's word. Take your Bible to work. Read it standing in line at Walmart. Be everywhere in God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. 
Robert Munger in My Heart Christ's Home says that when we gather in the living room with Jesus, he unfolds to us the wonder of God's saving truth on the Bible's sacred pages. What is, this is telling us is two things. One, we need to be saved. We need to be saved. Do you know who, what we need to be saved from? First of all, we need to be saved from ourselves. And second of all, we need to be saved from the distance between God and us that has come as a result of our trusting the things of this world rather than trusting God. That's the first one. No one experiences this apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. It will not come because people have been good people. It will not come because people have been nice and relatively civil. It is not, God does not grade on a curve. God grades by the saving shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's the one way we are redeemed, by the cross of Jesus Christ. And two, this is what Dr. Dale Bruner calls Christo-exclusivity. That's a big fancy word for saying only Jesus could do it. Jesus is exclusively inclusive. He says to the world, I want you, but only I can save you. He offers salvation to all who will receive, but only he can offer it. And he alone, by his Holy Spirit, can move us into that living room where real living and real saving takes place. Our world needs to come into the living room, like I've said. We know people who need to come into the living room. We need to scrunch together like puppies in a pile and even push out the walls so that when the fires and the shootings and the floods and the starvation and the tragedies come in all forms, we will know how to proclaim the hope that transcends and goes beyond all of those things. I have friends from around the country who are asking me to make sense of what is going on in our world and to know how to, we are to respond. I have held up this chapter from my heart Christ's home in these scriptures that we've read and others to speak to that one word of hope that you and I know. And I have told them the one name that is above all names, the name that causes all blathering and ambiguity and evil to be silenced, that name that brings peace and healing. When on a worldly level, peace and healing are impossible. That one name. You know that name, don't you? What's the name? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Listen, I've got a big, fancy, highfalutin theological education from a place that ironically hardly knows the name of Jesus anymore. And I've spent 35 years either working in the church as a pastor or close to 40 with my youth ministry times. But like Paul in Philippians chapter 3, I would count all of that education and all the highfalutinness for the surpassing wealth of knowing Jesus Christ personally. Knowing him as Savior. Knowing him as the one who holds my marriage together, who leads me in, in raising a child and loving people that are hard to love, and being everything that God has called me to be, I, I count everything else as loss for the surpassing wealth of knowing the one who died for me. And this knowledge comes from seeing it lived out in the living room from those who knew beyond any human knowledge where that hope came from. They knew it because of Jesus. I've learned from professors mom and dad you know those professors? There's the education. Who walked around the house singing. <laughs> and my parents did not sing particularly well, but they walked around the house singing these words that were sung at my mom's memorial service. In times like these, 
You need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, and this was written right at the outset of World War II, just like mere Christianity. In times like these, you need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Read it. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, I have a Savior. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very sure. I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Let's play this little clip. Chimes of Big Ben was ringing, sounding the hour in London. The composer of this song was standing there, inspired then to write these words and this music. In times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an The man died last year. He was 102 years old, and he died singing that song. Let me ask you this as we wrap up this part of the worship service. What is our anchor? What is our anchor? Where is our living room? Are we spending time with Jesus in God's Word every day? Are we showing others the difference it makes? What do we let get in the way of this indescribable gift? Jesus Christ came 
so that we would have the ultimate living room now and forever. He came so that when the sin of this world and and the results of it threaten our peace, the peace of all, we would have the anchor that holds in the face of all evil. Jesus Christ wants to spend time with you and me. He wants us to know how the promise of his life given for us makes a difference every single day in all circumstances. Not only in the face of disaster, but in the face of the little stuff that works to pry us away from him. And he wants us to know this so that our lives become living invitations to others as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whatever form that may take, that they have the anchor that holds when nothing else does. Jesus wants us to experience this every day so that we truly are living in a place where our hearts have become his home. May we know this. And may we rejoice in this today and tomorrow and every day until we are and may nothing get in the way of this great gift. And may we give it away as it fills us up so that others are drawn to the warming fire of the presence of Jesus Christ and so that others may want to gather around that place with us. May this heal every heart and every hurt and give us such peace that we are empowered to lift that burden from other people by showing them the way to the living room of life with Jesus Christ. May we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, in all times, we need only who you are. And we pray that at the direction of your Holy Spirit, we would be so stirred up that that's all we want and that everything else would just fall away for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now remember. Remember something that has become near and dear to all of us. An affirmation of God's sovereignty. And that is that when we are in Jesus Christ, when we are in the living room with him, when we are letting him dwell in all the rooms of our life, we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it. And go, therefore, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen. Amen.